board the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bass. And thank you for listening. David's laughing at me you right out of the box. Like some sort of like, like very prim. Sort it's of a centering like exercise, David. <laughs> All right. I want to be ready. We've got a guest with us. Yeah, let's get to it. Where? Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, okay. So our first. Okay. I know I shouldn't mention this, but. Uh, oh, no. It's our first female guest that isn't uh, in love with you. How so. do you know? Yeah, you don't know that. I could be very much in love. You know what? I'm sorry. That was presumptuous of me. Um, but, uh, so we've got Pilar Alessandra Hello. here. So how you doing there, Pilar? I'm a little nervous. Nervous? I'm a little nervous, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. But aren't you comfortable behind the mic being a, a podcaster yourself? Just well because done, I do podcast does not mean I give good podcasts, which you'll find out. Oh, yeah, okay. I could be an idiot. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, we're fine with that. Yeah. Okay, right. good. All right. Phew. Listeners, if it turns out that Pilar is an idiot, <laughs> no. uh, just email <laughs> no, us and let us know. Oh, no. So it's. Oh, no, God. <laughs> what did I do? See, I wanted, I wanted to stop yourself. already. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. Now, you. Okay, so you've got a podcast. What is it? What's it about? It's called On the Page. My okay. business is called On the Page because right. I'm a script consultant and I teach screenwriting. Okay. And uh, I've been doing that out of this studio. Where, right. where you're podcasting right now. That's right. Um, for a couple of years. Well, okay. So wait, who's the guest here? Oh, you're that's You're a guest right. in our show, but we're a guest in your studio. You're in my oh, studio? Get bl- the hell out! <laughs> You've blown my mind, David. It's like writing on a pencil. It freaks me out. Um, I'm like a landlord. <laughs> Stop interrupting the guest, David. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> right. so, so I have this, this business. I teach screenwriting. I consult. And uh, I thought it, I might mix it up a little bit and have a podcast. And it's okay. called On the Page. All right. Original. And uh, on it, uh, I'll bring in guests who might talk a little bit about the business side of screenwriting because I'm I'm about the content side of screenwriting. Okay. And then we answer questions that have been written in by writers, real live writers from around the world. It's actually uh, it's it's a really fascinating podcast. Even as a as a non writer, as just a, yeah. a fan of movies and 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 that sort of way of storytelling, I, I've listened to it and I really enjoy it. It's You've listened to it, yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah. cool. Well, we like to pr- we like to prepare okay. for um, for the guest. Um, yeah, I will say I, we don't usually like to just praise the the guest in front of them, but I will say that it it's a it, it's a good podcast just for our listeners because I know that we've got a lot of you know. We have a lot of movie minded. Yes, it's a movie podcast, Tyler. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's a good podcast to listen to because it's just, it's got, as you said, a lot of the technical elements, but it still is entertaining. I mean, there's plenty of podcasts, uh, like on, I listened to a movie podca- uh, podcast on NPR. And it was weird because, like, you know, not that I'm against NPR, but literally it was just so monotone that I'm just like, wow, I love movies, and you've made me bored by them. Like, you know, and yours is still still manages to be technical and really break down both content and, content and the uh, business side of it, but it's still very entertaining. Thank you. So, listeners, uh, it's called On the Page. You can find it in iTunes. We highly recommend it. Thanks so much. So. And if you listen to the early ones, which I actually – don't want you to see. I'm just I'm walking into it. But <laughs> see, when we started, when we started, I didn't know what podcasts really were, and oh, I didn't okay. really think anybody would actually listen to them. And so I was nervous, and I and I thought, well, I'm just going to talk to friends I know and about screenwriting, and just have a couple of beers, right? <laughs> so the early ones are a little alcohol soaked, just a little bit. But then after that, they got more professional when I found out that people were actually paying attention. <laughs> And now they're way more professional. That's yeah. funny. We've been doing this a little over a year, and I would say I drink 
more now during the podcast <laughs> than I did a year ago. Yeah. So he's kind of now. I'm like comfortable. He's enough, grown a little like, complacent. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's kind because of, it's a roundtable discussion. You got your friends, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you want to hang out, and I'm not drinking beer right now though. I have That's water. Right. That's you right. Water so I don't there. say anything too stupid. Um. But uh, okay. So. So you do a podcast, and then now as far as your actual business, you mm-hmm. said you're a script consultant, and you teach screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a script consultant, like what do you like? What does that entail? Well, people people will come to me at various stages in the script process. They may have finished a first first draft and want to know the direction for the rewrite, mm-hmm. or they may have done so many rewrites and they're just against a wall. They have no idea what to do next. They know they want to set it into the industry and they want to last pass at it. Mm-hmm. I'll look at it and I'll look at it with the intention of the writer in mind. That's really right. important. What are they trying to do? You know, if it's yeah. if it's an indie, I'm not going to try and turn it into a studio movie. Right. But if it's a, if it is a big genre piece, a big studio movie, I'm going to try and make it as big and as expensive yeah. as possible. <laughs> yeah. um, so so it really depends on the project, and I'll give the big picture notes first, okay. and then I go through it with the client page by page, actually, and we mm. script doctor. Um, do you find that people are usually uh, receptive to this, or do you find that people wind up getting like uh, defensive and just like, no, you, th- th- what I'm trying to do is this? Like, <laughs> or they mostly have a positive attitude about it? I think it's like coming to your shrink you know by the okay. by the time you're ready to pay somebody for an opinion <laughs> you're gonna sit there and take the notes yeah yeah you know you've already given it to your friend and you've already defended it to your friend and right. you've cried to your mom and you've done all those things uh, script consultant point everybody has has been wonderful about taking notes okay yeah. well i want to know is how did you how did you come into this yeah how did i do you know ah god i was i was but but alas i was um <laughs> I was I was selling food out of a cart. I was in my twenties. Right, um, right. Clearly, I needed some direction <laughs> in my life. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine uh, who I'd gone to college with knew that I actually liked writing term papers. Yeah, okay. big uh-huh. geek. And uh, so she she was working for a small company called Cineville, okay. which was this little independent company. It made their reputation off of Alice and Andrews movies, hmm. which were um, Me Vita Loca and uh, Gas Food Lodging. She was sort of like the big indie princess at the time and so she would uh this friend threw a script a week at me and i would fill out these little book reports and somebody went hey idiot you can make money at that and i was like oh no way yeah it's called being a reader so again i didn't know anything so i took my samples over to uh, a little company called Amblin Entertainment because I thought that steven spielberg might be a cool guy to work for (laughs) (laughs) and again you know just just ignorance is bliss, right? right. So, so they hired me off the samples, and uh, I stayed there for a number of years. Um, there, when it crossed over into DreamWorks, mm-hmm. became uh, a senior story analyst over there. Also had worked for them and Bob Zemecki's company for a while as a sort of a reader liaison between the two of them. Okay. Worked for a number of other companies and sort of cut my teeth on those kind of scripts. Started uh, teaching at UCLA, extension in the writer's program, and then broke off to do my own thing. Okay. Um, now, uh, I, uh, like the advice that you give people when you read their scripts, uh, is it, cause I, I've, you know, I've very limited experience, but I was, I've been interning at a couple of uh, companies and part of it is reading a script. And when you're working for a company, like you're reading the script to see, is this marketable? It can it sell? Like, do you think in those terms or do you think like, okay, I just want to help the writer achieve their goal? Like. I don't know. I guess yeah. basically what I'm saying is like, 
do you ever feel like you should like somebody should like dumb something down so that it might it has a higher likelihood of being sold or do you just want to help them make it the best script that they're trying to achieve? Well, when you're working for a company, which right. I, I no longer do, and when yeah. you're working for the studios, you read scripts with the sensibility of that studio or company in mind. Right. That is your job. So you may say in your coverage, this is really well written, it's nicely structured, but we already have something on the slate. Or um, they didn't go as far with the genre as we wanted. Or um, there isn't that spark that we've been looking for in the writing. You know, the, 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 the company has you know, certain things that they need right. filled on their slate for that year. So, yes, you do target your comments based on what the company needs. Okay. With what I do now, I look at a, a project with the intention of the writer, what okay. the writer wants. And then they and their agent can target the right company for okay. that project. All right. That um, sounds. Uh, did you, would you say that's it's more fulfilling than? Oh working? yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my husband, you know Pat, right? Oh yeah. He used to call yeah. me uh, Crusher of Dreams. <laughs> yeah, that was his little <laughs> nickname for me. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I was really happy to get out of the Crusher of Dreams business and into the Builder of Dreams or whatever. I actually, have a goldfish named Crusher. Of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, that would be my wrestling name. Actually. <laughs> um, okay. So. Now, okay, so today we're going to we we actually have not. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm so scared. My heart is beating. It's weird. It's like like that. Like I'm really really nervous. Seriously, I get like that around Tyler too, though. Do ya? <laughs> but remember who I I'm do, in love with. <laughs> I do set people's hearts aflutter. Um, <laughs> but uh, seriously, like yeah. you you've been listening to us for like the last ten minutes. <laughs> And right. you're still nervous? <laughs> I don't. Maybe I'll get over oh it. Oh my gosh! I, don't know. I hope so. Um, we're intimidating, David. Isn't yeah. that exciting? <laughs> That's awesome. I've never intimidated anybody in my life. That's true. That's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, all right. But we've actually we've been going uh, well over a year at this point, and yeah. um, you know, and we have not yet talked about writing. I mean, we've talked about. Very, you know, in some cases, some very broad strokes about film. But oddly enough, it was an episode on William Goldman. Exa- exactly. But other than that, we, yeah, honestly, we haven't talked about writing. Who's he? Yeah. Just joking. <laughs> okay, well, joking. All right. Okay. Jeez. Um, <laughs> freaked me out there. Um, <laughs> it's just like, uh, can you leave? Maybe David and I will just talk about writing for a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't really talked about like acting, and we haven't really talked about writing. And of course, writing is the the backbone of a film. So. Uh, today we're just going to talk about you know some of our favorite scripts and what we look for in a script uh, you know and I would say it's it's fairly subjective like what you know I mean are there certain genres that you find yourself responding more to uh, I, than others I have to say you know, I would never judge a script based on the fact that I don't like the genre you right know? right I don't like sci-fi you know yeah. that's that's not helpful um, and I do like sci-fi. Um, uh, thrillers. I love reading a good thriller. Okay. Uh, because you know, if if you're actually surprised at the end, it's a good yeah. thing, and it's a rare thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if you can get me involved in a good thriller, yeah, that's okay. a great read for me. Yeah, I've I, I I like thrillers and suspense myself because the stuff that I that I uh, look for in in film is usually like really strong acting and really strong characters and stuff. And with a thriller, like that's where you have the there's a lot of bad ones mm-hmm. out there, uh, all of them, oddly enough, with Ashley Judd. But, um, <laughs> but the, that was mean. <laughs> but, uh, My husband is so hot for her. Really? Yeah, really? still. 
Still, which yeah, I never got it. I just got an Ashley Judd thing. I don't yeah. care for her. No. Do you remember in uh, what was the movie? Uh, Simon Birch when she <laughs> she gets hit in the head with a foul baseball and dies. It's, it's <laughs> you, hilarious. Did you cheer? It's did the you? Feel movie That's of the not year. Nice. Okay, that movie is terrible. So it's like you're definitely not. Have you have you seen it, Simon Birch? I have not seen Simon Birch. Oh, don't don't bother. Okay. The movie's so bad that you're not in any way invested in the character. So when she gets hit in the head with a foul ball and dies, the only rational yeah. response is to laugh at. It. <laughs> yeah, as if you had heard about it, you know, on the news or something like that, <laughs> where you're just like, although I guess in that a real person dies, but just yeah. you know, it, or if you'd like read about it in one of those friggin' Darwin Awards emails or something like that, where right. you just laugh. Because this person doesn't mean anything to me. Um, but, that would be uh, a good character test. Like, if you're a writer, <laughs> if my character gets hit with a foul, foul ball and dies, will the audience cheer? Right. You know, th- so <laughs> if the answer is yes, rewrite your character. Right? All right. Yeah. There you go. See? See some wisdom. Yeah, a pearl tip, right tips there. Tips already. All right. <laughs> On the page, it's a great podcast. I think we're done. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, with, with, uh, to get back to thrillers, like, the inherently a thriller is just a very stressful situation for mm-hmm. the characters and that's where you can see some really good character stuff develop and the really good you know and if you've got a good actor it really gives them the opportunity to just really play up the uh you know the stress and the vulnerability and that kind of thing the so tension. um okay so you've talked about okay so thrillers you like thrillers i like i like thrillers and it's interesting in the read of a, a, a script yeah a, a thriller will look different from a romantic comedy oh, yeah. all on the page because uh, you're dealing with less words, frankly. The, the mm-hmm. And you want to take out the dialogue. You want to leave on a question. You want um, only sort of minimal scene direction. And that keeps the, the tension going yeah. because we're sitting there wanting more as opposed to a comedy where you want to give us the funny details. So you're going to maybe sometimes go in with a magnifying glass on an expression or a goofy thing that somebody does. So the the pages with a thriller are actually sort of leaner and meaner. Hmm. And a comedy can sort of have this sort of rich, textured quality to it, depending on what kind of comedy it is. I want to take a slight tangent real quick. Uh, It's still not a complete tangent, but uh, to go back to... uh, you know, you you're reading scripts and giving people uh, feedback and that sort of thing. Um, have you ever, you know, and and Pat has called you crusher of dreams. Crusher of and dreams. Stuff. Have you ever, <laughs> like, in in your business, not for not for a company, but in yeah. your in your uh, business, like, have you ever given somebody advice on a script and then literally, like, you just find yourself thinking, like, you know what, this person shouldn't be a writer. I mean, have you ever? It sounds mean. But, I mean, have you ever not said it to them, but have you ever mm. thought that? There, there are times when people hang on so tightly to certain aspects of their script that you know that they will never get rid of, no matter how much you, you sit there and encourage them to do that, mm-hmm. where you go, well, you know what? If they, if they can't get rid of it, I don't know if they're going to be able to move on as a writer. Yeah. Uh, but for those who are willing to take the notes, who, who sort of see the possibilities beyond their own first draft, mm-hmm. I it sounds hokey, but I think everybody has has uh, the potential to be a, a saleable writer. Yeah. Okay, you know the I, only re- I, the only reason I asked. I'm sorry. Is I was you're talking about in a comedy script when mm-hmm. you're reading it. I mean, it's just you want a lot of description. You want a lot of you know the more words the better to really so that the person can really picture this is anything that just happened. Well, and it, I was it's it's funny. It's not the more words. I, I probably said that wrong. Okay. It's the idea of like description, right? Right, like right. More textured description. So you're going to go to you're going to focus on different things than you would with a thriller. 
Okay. You know, you're going to uh, you're going to have the bit a bit written into a comedy, right. where as you you know, it might be a little bit more sleek in a thriller. Um, you know, is everybody funny? No, yeah. but it's kind of it's kind of interesting what you can do to make a page that isn't funny funnier. Right. So sometimes actually it's taking out some scene descriptions so that the dialogue can really flow. We have that patter, right? right? It's it's amazing what happens if you do that. Or taking uh, you know uh, back and forth speeches and turning them into one liners. That's what I'll have a lot of writers do. Like go through and just find that one line. Come on, you're funny enough without yeah. over-explaining your joke. Right. And that makes it funnier. Or making something that is just sort of an ordinary thing with us sitting around and talking, turning it into a set piece that's right. funny. And, you know, ma- it, making them like, okay, what's going to be the big physical comedic moment that happens here? So uh, you can take unfunny things and make it funnier. Okay. Um, but I, I know what you're talking about. I've never really thought about that a problem with a script might not be in the storytelling or the plot just in the way that the script is yeah. is written. I'd, I'd never, how often is that, is that common? Do people yeah, sometimes it comes down to the scene where people have really, uh, you know, decent structure, they have a great idea, and their scene work just needs punching up. And uh-huh. sometimes punching up means editing back, you know, right. and, and then, you know, making the scene a little bit more active and interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, sorry, I just... I, it was going backwards a little bit, but I just I had that that question because I was I once because read you are filled with self doubt and you don't know if you should be trying to write absolutely <laughs> uh, yeah I meant uh, that for wasn't you. the reason and yet mm. it's still true what you just said <laughs> um, but uh, no I had read as the very first script I ever read and covered was a uh, was a comedy and mm-hmm. it was just so I mean there was there was you know sometimes a, a whole page. Like a page and a half of description, like with no, it's not broken up by dialogue. It's just, you know, and I understand, you know, sometimes that ha- that's necessary, but like it, it ruined the flow of the script. Now it turned out to be not a very good script anyway, but it was just, it was interesting to do that. And I was, and I was like, I just want to move on now. Right. I understand that you're trying to, like, this is a visual joke, uh, granted, Again, it wasn't a funny visual joke. It was mm-hmm. about an alligator uh, with, in his description, a big green boner. Oh, uh, there's nothing a funnier than a big green out. boner. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but like he took like a page and a half describing this. I'm like, I understand this is, you're trying to really explain the intricacies of the big green boner. But like, you're messing it up. Like it was going along at a, at a good clip. And then all of a sudden there's this. And I just... You've made me bored in a page and a half. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, and so I read that and I'm just like, and then I looked the guy up on IMDb. I'm like, wow, he sold four. <laughs> and, and then that's, and then I'm like, wow, he, it's like based on this script, he shouldn't be writing at all. And he's really successful. And then of course, as David said, that's when I start thinking about, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a total hack well, and he's, <laughs> and this guy's right on the money. Well, remember, you know, your first script sells. And you're sold as the writer along with all of your bad habits. And for those people out there who feel like, God, I've written four scripts and I haven't sold them yet, you should know, but you're getting better. You know? So what may have happened with that writer is, yeah, they like his ideas, they like his concepts and whatever, and then they fix the writing in the actual execution of it on the screen, you know? But they probably wish, like you did, like, all right, just get to the point with the big green boner. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right. Well, I think... 
I think we've said Big Green Boner enough. <laughs> so I'm going to make it a chapter in my exactly, next book. Exactly. The, <laughs> the conundrum of the Big Green Boner. That's right. Um, but, uh, all okay, right. Okay, so let's, well, let's talk about... Yeah. I mean, you talked about... Uh, you got into this because you like to write term papers and you like to write and stuff, but would... Like as like as far back to early like movie viewing, do mm-hmm. you think was was script and, and dialogue and was that's always something that you thought about? Well, oh god, should I even mention? I I used yes. to, I <laughs> was uh, I, you know I was a bit of a theater person before I came out to L A. and I loved words and I uh, oh it sounds so pretentious, but um, after college I went and uh, trained at the National Theater of London or whatever it is, the Royal National Theater, and. Oh. Um, and one thing I found out was that I was not a hell of an actress, but that <laughs> that I did find a real uh, love of text because those Brits, man, they no, just yeah. really look at the words. Mm-hmm. And I loved sort of the rhythm of words. I told you I was such a big geek. So, yeah, there, there became this sort of love of, of anything written. And so when I talked about, like, loving term papers in college, I used to do a lot of, like, uh, critical analysis of literature and stuff like that. That was, like... <laughs> But I thought was really cool. That, that is really cool to me. Yeah, we went to we went to film school and would. Uh, it's just like I would take a class, and David, I think you were the same way. It's like you know, I've been working really hard last semester. This semester, I'm going to take a break and take all classes where I need to write, you know, ten page long papers. Like that, right, was, that a break. was a break. To it us. was a break to us because it was a lot because of you yeah, know, it was we fun. enjoyed writing. Too. It's kind of so. like three geeks just sitting around talking right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. And. Several hundred geeks listening. That's right. So it all works out. We're all, it's a big happy family. But uh, so now, uh, excuse me. Now what? Uh, okay, so let's let's stick with thrillers, and then we'll branch out from there. Oh, what are some of your favorite uh, some of your favorite thrillers? And oh. as far as or you know, what are some of the best thriller scripts that have become movies? Well, you know, it, it, uh, Michael Clayton was my my big. I, I just fell in love with Michael Clayton this okay. year. I loved, loved, loved it. And yeah. yet you wouldn't describe it really as sort of a, a, a thriller in the sense of, um, you know, well, no, people got killed, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it was so tight, and it started at a place that uh, made you think one thing, and then it switched point, you know, switched uh, to a different point of view later on. We, sh- we showed the scene again at the end with a new uh-huh. perspective. I love stuff like that. I love stuff that starts in one time and then sort of backtracks to how did we get there. Mm. So I thought that the structure of it was really tight. Okay. Um, and I loved, I loved all of the tension under the dialogue. Yeah. You know, when she's ordering the hit, that first hit, the fact that they have to use a certain kind of language because they can't say, hey, here's some money, go kill somebody. Yeah. Right. Was, you know, it was, it was very, very well done. So yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of that movie. Yeah, it's, uh, David has recently seen it, and I actually only saw it about a month ago. And, uh, and it's, it is, it is, it's interesting because I didn't think of it as a thriller, but it, is, it does have that aspect to it. Because like when she is, you know, when Tilda Swinton's character is ordering somebody's death, like, there's several layers. There's the fact that she can't just, as you said, come out and say it. Mm-hmm. But there's also, it's also smart enough to show, to, like, in the words that she uses, like, what does it say about this character? It's not that, it's not just that she's ordering this. It's that this is going to have an emotional impact on her. Mm-hmm. And it manages to do all this in the course of, like, you know, one paragraph in which she's talking about all this. Like, it reveals stuff about her character while also moving the action along. Right. In a, in a, in a clever and intelligent way. That's, that's a really good way to think of that scene, that she's making a huge choice about her life. Yeah. When she leaves that scene, she's never going to be the same person. Right. And 
that maybe that's why I like the movie so much that it's not just about you know it moves the plot forward it the characters are affected by yeah. everything that right. happens yeah was, okay that's true um so let's see uh that's yeah that's that's interesting because I don't ins- yeah you've made me think of a movie I like in a completely different way now I mean I think of it as a Sidney Lumet tri- type drama, mm-hmm. you know, but it does. That's have funny because that. I thought of it as a thriller immediately. Really? Yeah, I mean, hmm. it's presented as a thriller. It's well, we never see. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do see people die, right? Yeah. 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 Really creatively, actually. Yeah. All that silence. That was cool. Right. That scared you know? the hell out of me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what have you guys <laughs> seen recently that you like? Uh, Script wise. No, uh, no. Movie Michael Clayton was the last movie I saw in the theater, actually. So. Uh, well, you know, as far as I mean. You know, if you want to keep keep it recent and keep it relevant, you know, to uh, to uh, you know this past year, um, as far as thrillers that would go back and forth in time, it would show you something and then go back to show you what happened before. Um, there's before the devil knows you're dead, which uh, did you see it? I didn't. Oh, should I go see it? I, yeah, I highly yeah. recommended by okay. us. Okay, and All that's right. a that's a first script. Um, oh. I don't know if it's the first one that the writer ever wrote, but it's the first one that was. That was uh, produced. produced, and uh, and it's really it's really strong because I've often found like the best thrillers and stuff, um, excuse me, are are the simplest. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's not. Don't get me wrong, I like Casino Royale, but like it's not James Bond trying to crack an international web of deceit and corruption and evil. You know, it's just normal people trying to figure out. You know. Uh, how to do something illegal or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's not complex, but emotionally it's incredibly complex because it's somebody making a decision to do something that could hurt somebody else. And, 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 uh, before the devil knows you're dead really understands that it really creates characters who are, I mean, the story is, in, is very simple. I would say, mm-hmm. would you, would you agree? I mean, er, at least the character's plan is very simple. Yeah. Um, but then of course, the story gets more complex, but never to uh, to the point that it like that I didn't believe it could actually happen. You know, like I think those are the best thrillers. Like I just rewatched uh, A Simple Plan. Did you ever see mm-hmm. that one? Yeah. And that one, it's a simple movie. I mean, it's just they find this and they're trying to cover it up. That's basically it. You know, but I, I got to read that script back really? in the day. Yeah, really? and uh, and it was a great read, and you know, it went everywhere. There's a lot of buzz about that script when yeah. it came out, and it was just that idea that you know of, of escalating circumstances, yeah. and also this idea that you know you you do one simple thing, yeah. right, and and the consequences, and the secrets, and the lies, and just how that just spins out of control from character to character to character until you get to a certain place, because it is actually a fairly small movie in scope. Yeah, actually, very much. You know? yeah. But it's got this big idea behind yeah. it. But you know what you said about about um, hitting uh, too much complexity, right? Yeah. Having a nice, simple story. It's it's funny. That's got to be sort of the key in any genre. That if you can focus, if you can have one simple story well told, yeah, you're really hitting it as a writer. And I think too many writers confuse being inventive with being. Um, Overly complicated, like yeah. you, like you said, there's got to be this big government plan, and it means this, and there were nukes hidden in this, and you're like, you know, where'd your characters go, and yeah. where'd your agenda go? Yeah. And so many times with my clients, what I'm doing is I'm actually focusing on the thing that made that that they can 
ride on in their yeah. in their story and sort of you know getting rid of the other stuff and then saying let's let's milk this let's really you know it, that's what high concept is all about yeah. let's go for the hook of it a great example is um the constant gardener did you see that which is mm-hmm. a, the conspiracy there is huge and massive and international yeah. but the story is told is rooted by the relationship between these two people and it's right. very real and it's very focused and that's what gets you through it from point a to point b and yeah, I mean it's and also I mean if you want to go really far back, I mean fi- like the reason that film noir is so fun to watch, it's I mean those are stories that are incredibly complex. I mean, I watch, you know, I watch Chinatown. I've seen it many times. I still don't completely get what happened. <laughs> but you know, I mean as far as as You're far as a big the, man for uh, admitting that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as the plot goes, I mean, I understand who killed Hollis Mulray, but like but that's the thing is like with film noir, like the really good writers and directors of it understood that nobody is coming for the story. They're coming for the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming for Sam Spade and Jake Giddes and Noah Cross. Like that's what they're going to walk away remembering, you know. And that's why, oddly enough, I've always, David, I know that you like The Big Sleep. But I always felt that The Big Sleep, aside from Philip Marlowe and then, a co- and then Lauren Bacall's character, it had so many characters because the complex plot required it to. Yeah. that none of them really stuck out, you know, and so that's why I couldn't latch onto it because without the characters, there was only the plot, which made so little sense that yeah. it's just well, like... Well, Big Sleep is almost kind of postmodern in a way. It's, well, it's, it's that's almost true. About, it's almost about how confusing noir <laughs> plots are. <laughs> okay, there is that, uh, that are, there is that element to it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I respond to the most, and that's what I've said, uh, you know, is that like start like start with characters i mean there there are there are movies that i shouldn't like i mean i don't usually like fantasy i i really shouldn't like lord of the rings because it's so epic and so silly at times you know but because it has a very strong emotional core in very memorable characters yeah and that they're and that you know middle earth and dragons and stuff like that's you know i can't relate to that but i can relate to these characters' emotions, and I feel like that's what is the entry point into basically anything, you know. I mean, even something as simple as The Matrix, where it's like the only entry point I've got is the fact that Neo is confused, but I'm confused, so it all works out. (laughs) But, uh, so what are some, I mean, excuse me, uh, were you about to say something? No. Okay. Um, But uh, are there any, well, what are some of your favorite, let's let's move beyond Thriller now, Mm -hmm. what are some of your favorite scripts and your favorite movies and, and, and that favorite sort of characters thing. we should talk fa- about. Okay. Yeah, good call, David. Well, That's you know, as far as on a script level goes, like, it is interesting that sometimes uh, the first script is the one that is just perfect. Like, yeah. that, that writer, the very first thing they came up with, that yeah. was gold. And uh, I have to say, I'm a huge fan of The Sixth Sense. Okay. It oh, scared yeah. the hell out of me back in the day when I first saw it. And uh, M. Night, unfortunately, I don't think his you know, gotten too close since, but it was, it is a really great script as far as teaching goes. I use it in class um, because everything he does, whether it's the dialogue or the character work or the plot work, really contributes to the psychological horror genre. He never forgets that this is all about what's wrong with this kid. And then Uh it becomes uh, all about, you know, uh, what are the ghosts going to do? Yeah. And every scene goes to that. So I it, and it's a very sp- 
bare script. Yeah. You know, it, it gives you that feeling of what the hell's going on, you know, just like the movie did. Um, yeah. And so uh, so I, I use that script hmm. a lot. Um, yeah. And, and there's another one where, I mean, both the, the main characters, actually, I'll, I guess... I guess the the main three, which is you know Bruce Willis and Halo Joel Osment and then Tony Collette, mm-hmm. like it understands. I mean, and that uh, to me, like a horror movie or a, or a thriller, like it it's so much more effective. I mean, uh, David and I recent, you know, somewhat recently, <laughs> I forget that we keep we're gonna put this up later, but um, <laughs> we talked about our favorite movies ever, and I talked about Jaws, and Jaws is a horror Jaws movie, is great, or and an it's adventure so timeless. Movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's like. It's a movie about a big shark, you know? I mean, it's... And a somewhat fake-looking one as well. But that's not the issue. It's scary because these characters that I believe are real, they're scared of it, so I'm scared of it. You know, Robert Shaw, he's screaming like he's being eaten by a shark, so I believe he's being eaten by a shark. And so it's like, with The Sixth Sense, it's like, it starts with how the events are going... uh, are affecting the characters. And if the more the character... the more real the characters seem the more invested we are once once when they tell us that you know when they show us that they're scared we just take our cues from them because we've been with them every step of the way the the structure of sixth sense and jaws is actually very similar Hmm. and it goes a little bit against what we teach in you know conventional screenwriting in the fact that you don't find out in the sixth sense that the kid actually sees dead people until the midpoint of the movie so we're talking about an hour in and you don't see that shark until the midpoint of the movie in in both of these cases, they spend at least an hour just just making you terrified yeah. because we haven't seen anything. Yeah. You know, we see glimpses, and in Jaws we see bodies, and but we don't see anything. Our imagination goes crazy, and then at the midpoint we finally have earned the right to right. see a ghost or to see see the shark, and then it gets crazy after that. Yeah. So yeah, they're very similar that way. Yeah, the idea that it's just like. It's like, oh yeah, man. This it's like this is really bad. This is really scary. Then shark shows up, and the ghosts show up, and you're like, hmm, actually, much worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, the, sh- the shark. It's like, oh, we thought it was about eighteen, twenty feet. It's much larger. It can. It's bigger than I'd say five of us. Um, but uh, so, what else? Like, what other scripts would you say just stick out in your I'm, mind? I'm a huge fan of first pages. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I. I'll even use my my clients' own scripts a okay. lot because if uh, if a if a first page has really hit me, I, I sit there and read it over and go why. And often it's because it told its own story, sort of a beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. And you know, think about it as you're watching a movie. That's the teaser of the movie. Yeah. These days, I think, especially with modern structure, we always really expect that teaser. Jaws had that teaser, yeah. right? Yeah. The girl in the water. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm always sort of looking for that, and I'll use first pages a lot um, mm. because it, it's a great example of, of formatting, too. If somebody's working down the page in a really poetic style or if they have one killer line on the first page or one really great um, character moment that immediately tells us who this guy is, yeah. sometimes that can happen on a first page, too. So I tend to, to use first pages. I use, uh, as I'm a, to- a Tony Gilroy fan, okay. clearly, uh-huh. I, I use uh, the first page of The Born Identity. Hmm. Um, again, it tells its own story. This is where you find uh, Matt Damon in the water. Yeah. At first, you, if you look at the page, he describes him, I think, first as, oh, God, I hope I get this right. It goes from, like, corpse to body to man. You mm-hmm. see that there's a corpse in the water. 
And so we we were like, this guy's dead. And then as the characters looking at him get closer, <gasps> yeah, the, the yeah. body, like, right. you know, oh, he's alive, right? <laughs> and then he's a man by the end of the, the yeah. first page. And it's just very well done. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. I suddenly <laughs> want to read the script now. Well, you know, the next time, the next time that you see a, uh, a movie, and even if it, it goes wrong at the end, if you've loved the teaser, look look to the first one to five pages and and see what they were doing right, because hmm. that might have made the sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's those are the pages everybody reads really carefully. <laughs> Something to keep in mind. Um, <laughs> all right, okay. I'm making a little mental note here yeah. for myself now. Um, I don't want you to think that people only read those first ten pages right, right. like that's the big myth. You know, they really they they also will pay very close attention to the end of your screenplay right. as well because if that third act if it doesn't if it doesn't surprise you or satisfy you, it, the the script will be passed on because there's just too many scripts out there to have the same old same old at the end. That doesn't mean that somebody's not going to develop it into being the same old, same old right, when you right. get all those cooks in the kitchen. But for the script, for the read, you know, that's that's also a, a big thing that that readers and executives look for is like to be surprised or satisfied by the ending. Well, so I'm sorry. Go on. I was going to say, well, what's something that uh, that readers tend to find in the first five to ten pages? That's what's something very common that will turn you off as a reader? Overwriting. Really? Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying about, oh, can I say it again? The big green boner? Can yeah. I say it? Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll see if we can throw it in at the end, too. Yeah. Okay. But just just the idea that, you know, you look at a first page and they've over-described some moment, you know, and had they just made it leaner and meaner, it would have been funnier or it would have had more emotional impact because the important stuff would have come through. Or uh, it's it's a... Uh, five pages of small talk Mm -hmm. or it's five pages of just set up where you're setting up a character and setting him up and setting him up over and over again and we got it the first time so stuff like that you know mundane conversation government conspiracy theories in the first five Uh pages (laughs) where they're just talk talk talking lots of exposition yeah Hmm. now what are some of the uh, you mentioned like how endings can be just as fascinating and just as grabbing as uh you know the beginning like what are some of the great i mean we already kind of mentioned it with sixth sense but like mm-hmm. what are some of the really strong endings that you can think of that really got you well this is gonna this is gonna date me <laughs> all right can everybody uh can you mention that i'm much cuter than my age please thank you right now but first you have to say your age uh, no <laughs> yeah uh, f- <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> because yeah. because I'm about to really date myself. All but right. the first script that I read for the studios was Primal Fear. And do you guys, do you remember Primal Fear? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Richard Gere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm know. sorry, I what, what I is this? very young. So. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was. Like, it, it, I don't think I could remember things yet land, at that point. In the movie land, <laughs> mid-90s is like forever and ago, right? right. So, so it was, Primal Fear was the, was the first script that I read, and I was so bummed because I really liked it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, it's the first script I read for Amblin Entertainment, and I liked it. What am I going to do? I think yeah. I have to put a consider on this. They're going to think I suck as a reader. Yeah. But I really, really liked it. And the reason that I liked it and the reason it got so much heat was because of this ending at the, at the end with, you know, we have a dual personality character, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you see Richard Gere spend the entire movie trying to um, – uh, get this guy, uh, um, find him innocent, and he does. And then we find out that you know the kid did not have dual personalities at all, and he was you know pulling it over on on Richard Gere. Yeah. And that ending, even though we've seen 
those kind of endings so much since then. Yeah. At the time, yeah. when you're reading the script, you're really pulled in. You have no idea that this kid is pulling one off. Yeah. And uh, so at the end, that was what made the script. Because the script itself actually had some big flaws. It had this yeah. real estate scam underneath that never made any sense and nobody ever fixed. Hmm. But it had this great ending and everybody was talking about the ending. And that ending in my opinion, sold the movie. Yeah, like that That script's got an interesting twist because sometimes, like in the case of, you know, The Sixth Sense, which, uh, Sixth Sense, which uh, has a, uh, a really solid twist, but like, you know, it's something where you can't you, st- you can't quite get your bearings the whole time. There's something you know, something's wrong, something's awry, and then you find out what it is. Whereas in, uh, excuse me, whereas in Primal Fear, the twist basically makes you question your own motives because you you're right there with Richard Gere. You want to prove this guy's innocence every step of the way. Right. And then the twist, not only does it make you look at something a different way, but all of a sudden you want exactly the opposite of what you've spent two hours wanting. You know, all of a sudden you're like, ah, I just want to be put in jail now. Right. But it's too, it's too late. You spent two hours right. rooting for this guy. You made this happen. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and so that was a, a case of, you know, a, a, an ending, I think really selling it and also the the way that the kid is caught mm-hmm. at the end the way that he slips up and richard gear figures out is is clever um through the whole thing he's got a very specific rule about what will happen when he goes into this other personality yeah. that he blacks out and he gets sloppy at the end this bad guy gets sloppy uh, the 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 kid gets sloppy and says uh oh i i hope that lawyer that i hurt is okay yeah. And Richard Gere says, wait a second, yeah. you were supposed to black out. And that's how he knows. So so the, the bad guy breaks his own rule. And that's another thing for writers to maybe think about is, how does your bad guy get sloppy? And does he get sloppy breaking a rule that he himself created? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and has the good, good guy kind of pushed him to, to that, that point? Now, so far we've talked about a lot of... Uh like twists and something that really like you know grabs you and stuff. I find that like a lot of the scripts that I like mm-hmm. um, tend to be so rooted in reality that you know there are no big jarring kind of like oh my gosh th- it it wasn't like that at all or anything like that. Like usually it just has a, like a really solid ending, but it's not you know a movie like for example like Sideways mm-hmm. or, or in the bedroom. Or in the bedroom, yeah. Did you like in the bedroom? Uh, I loved it. I also loved it. I was, I thought they called it in the bedroom for the snore factor for like the longest time. <laughs> I, w- I have to say I loved the ending that okay. did yeah. redeem it for me. And when she smacked the hell out of Marissa Tomei, I loved that too. That that made me just jump in my seat and I was like, oh, good mom, we've all been waiting to do that. That's yeah. great. <laughs> and but yeah, I did want just a little bit more. That tension was killing me. But maybe yeah. that that was the point of it. I don't know. That is what I liked about it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm a glutton for. <laughs> Being tense. Make me square. Yeah. Make me square. Yeah. Ten favorite movie of all time. Funny games. The original. Right. Right. New one. Um, yeah. And you know, I mean, I guess that's you know that's uh, that's where like preference comes in. Like, I tend to really like movies that just are very quiet and just show people doing somewhat mundane things, like the stuff that everybody in life does. And mm-hmm. especially, I mean, we we brought up in the bedroom, so let's talk about that. Um, the idea that. Excuse me. That uh, the two parents, like I remember, I, I once read a 
review online that someone's just like, why? It's like, why do we have to see, you know, why do we have to see shots of the dad mowing the lawn and the and the mom watching TV? Why do we need to see that? And I remember I was just like, well, because chances are the kid would mow the lawn mm-hmm. if he was still alive. Mm-hmm. And maybe he would watch TV with his mom. Like, the, like, it's important to, in a certain type of script, just, like, really take your time because you know, and show mundane things because that helps to really set the stage and that kind of thing. Um, but I tend, I may like that to a degree that is silly. Like, I mean, <laughs> some of my like some of my favorite you know filmmakers, and I and I stand by them. I don't apologize yeah. for loving Jim Jarmusch the way I do and loving oh, John. You're Cassavetes. one of those guys, okay? See, now <laughs> exactly. I know. Now there I know what go. I'm dealing with. All right, yeah. got it. So you know, because I, I mean, I like realism in movies so much and i realized that in reality i mean there's a lot of uncomfortable silences there's a lot of just people saying things that aren't really that important to life but what do they what are they feeling as they say them mm-hmm. you know i mean that's what john cassavetes was all about um was trying to capture the uh, where literally it's just like can i make a movie really insufferably awkward for about two hours. Can I do that? <laughs> and he did, you know, but but that was the brilliance of what he was trying to do is in awkwardness comes a certain degree of vulnerability that you wouldn't find otherwise. And so, like, I don't know. That, that's the kind of thing that I that I prefer, not that I, you know, shit on people that don't. Um, well, I, I do sometimes. Yeah, well, you've so. got your own podcast. You can do what you want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Damn straight. They can, this, you know. This did turn into Tyler's own podcast. That was like 20 minutes, man. Well, you, know, you know a movie that <laughs> might do, do sort of have a halfway point with this? is like it's uh, It's got its commercial feel at times, but it also has its, you know, study the character moments, mm. awkwardness kind of thing that you like, is uh, Lars and the Real Girl. Did you guys like that? I didn't see it. Um, it was, uh, my girlfriend saw it and... Hated it more ah. than anything. <laughs> she could not stop talking about how much she hated it. So I didn't oh, really see it. I'm, see, I'm, I'm off her list. <laughs> see, oddly enough, I I expected, because of what uh, David's girlfriend had commented, I expected to really just hate it. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't. And it's because of, and oddly enough, the scenes that I liked the most are the scenes that didn't have to do with the, 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 the doll, the real girl, you know? It's like when Lars is talking to his brother and that kind of thing. Like, those are the scenes that were, you know, I'd say gimmick-free uh, that I responded to the most. Well, it, now, it, you, you liked it. What did well, you like I liked it? Well, I liked it because, I mean, it started off, it was in such a stark, lonely place. Right. And then they skipped a first act entirely. Yeah. And I was like, you know, the screenwriting teacher in me was like, what? What are they doing? <laughs> and then they plunged. I-, I loved how they committed to the premise. I like any script or any movie that fully commits to something. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the wrong choice, I respect it. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, I felt like, yeah, by the end, you know, I was crying at her funeral. I really was. But, yeah. you know, call me a girl. I don't know. But it's <laughs> <laughs> the thing with dolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this would never have happened if freaking <laughs> Paul Goebel was on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>, go on. <laughs> I can take Paul Goebel. Okay. All right, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Um, what? Oh, are we? It's been 47 minutes. No oh way. Oh, my God. It's been 45. Oh, I'm okay. so are you, sorry. Are you having a good time? I'm having a going. very nice okay. time. Yeah, I finally, <laughs> my heart's finally like calm down and stuff you know oddly enough uh, the idea of of uh, a script really committing to its idea this is going to sound strange 
because I've apologized to a, uh, to the listeners before for liking it. I really like the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I haven't seen that. Okay, but that's one where it's just like, oh, this married couple, and they're both, you know, it's a hit man and a hit woman. They're married. They didn't know that they were that, and they and they work for rival companies and stuff. So when they discover it, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a lot of fighting. And I feel like a lesser script would have been like, oh, you're a spy. I'm, a, you know, you're a hitman. I'm a hitman. Th- wow, this is, you know, let's hate each other for about ten minutes and then we're back on board. No, this is a movie where really, I mean, the sense of betrayal that they feel really carries through until I'd say, you know, all through Act Two, and uh, you know, and it really just commits to it. And I, I like that kind of thing, even though the movie is silly and all yeah, that. That's quite a genre piece for guys who like watching paint dry. <laughs> that's that's that departs from well, you know, but good for you. Surprised you haven't seen it. <laughs> Lots of explosions. <laughs> it's got a fun little twist in there. I like Mr. and Mrs. Smith because uh, talking about commitment, it, it, it was production designed to within an inch of its life. That's what I like about the movie. It's, it's eye candy. <laughs> not, sure and not just because it's uh, who's in it. But <laughs> so. Now, David Pilar and I have been talking a lot. I feel like I've been monopolizing the conversation. It's, the, it's okay for the guests, too. But... Uh, I don't have anything to say. I'll talk. Sorry, about that. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, I felt so bad. David came by, and I was I was sort of between classes because I've been teaching here all day, uh-huh. and uh, and I was like, "Who are you?" Because <laughs> 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 out of context, you know, not having like the two of you guys together, right. I was like, "What? What?" So I'm so well, sorry. Well, I'm sure the listener uh, during this episode, every time David has chimed in, they'd be like. Who the hell is that? No, no, no. Because uh, I've been talking way too long. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay for the for the guest to to talk a is lot. Is it? So, <laughs> but uh, David, do you have do you have any uh, scripts that you like? Any writers that you like? Don't put me on the spot like this, man. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. I've always said my favorite screenwriter is uh, or or was, I guess, Billy Wilder. Right. right. Oh uh, yeah. Every every one of his from the apartment, you know, and and Sunset Boulevard. These are all brilliant. Well, I was talking to, uh, I had Billy Murnett on as a, as a guest, and he wrote Writing the Romantic Comedy, and he was talking about how The Apartment really changed romantic comedies. He, yeah. he was talking about, you know, it brought cynicism into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't, God, I don't know if if we've ever gotten that cynicism back, actually. That yeah. last scene where they're playing cards, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. It says so much. And, yeah, I, I've never seen the actual script, but I'll bet you it is uh, a writer's dream. That's something yeah. that everybody should look at. I'm going to go home and look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, David, you're absolutely right. Billy Wilder. I mean, so many of his movies are so damn quotable that it's just right. like, you know, and that's, you know, that's another thing is just... There are some scripts out there that just, you know, there there are some that are really so good that you really can't think of any lines because they really commit to the realism and in reality nobody has that really clever. There are some where the lines really stick out. Exactly. So hey, okay, here's you can uh, settle or, or at least chime in an argument between Tyler and, and myself. Speaking of, you're recent, right, Tyler as well. Someone recent movies. That's that's what I think. Okay. But uh, I <laughs> love Aaron Sorkin. And Tyler does not like Aaron Sorkin. Uh, <laughs> so well, where do you where do you stand? I I like Aaron Sorkin be, before he became Aaron, a mockery of himself. Oh right, yeah, you Studio know? Sixty accepted. I'm right, talking, right. But I, right. I love Charlie Wilson's War, and I love The West Wing, and A Few Good Men, American President. I lo- I loved A Few Good Men. Um, I love the play too. That's yeah. a great yeah. play, and uh, really the the screenplay was almost lifted verbatim. You know, it's just great writing. He just he just. 
I don't know, plunges into it. But also in uh, A Few Good Men, you know, we go from scene to scene to scene to scene. In West Wing, he started doing the walk and talk thing like Uh crazy where you're like, come on, okay, the walk and talk, can we get out of here? (laughs) Just just a little bit. So I think think he, he... he started to sort of rest on his own talents a little bit and could have moved things around. Um, but come on. Yeah. But I feel like stuff Charlie, he started Charlie Wilson's War was a, a return I to form. See that? Yeah. I, I've got to see it now because yeah. I wanted to see it. I'm so behind. I feel really bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a screenwriting teacher. I try and write. I try to see as much as I can, but I've got two small kids. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, screener time comes and I just start whoring myself out for screeners. Like, can <laughs> I just see something <laughs> in my own home, please? Yeah. I'm going to get arrested. Great. (laughs) 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 Nobody of any importance listens to this podcast. Um, That's good to know. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, it's odd that that you mentioned that because I feel like um, a writer that I love or have loved, but then he really just started writing stuff that is referencing almost himself, is uh, David Mamet. Yeah. Like, Like, I used to love him, and he's still fun to listen to. But, like, it used to be like, oh, David Mamet, he writes the way people talk. And now it's like, he writes the way people talk in a David Mamet film, you know? Yeah. Um, and it can uh, it can be a little frustrating. It's always fun to listen to, but it's just like, you're I've a long way I've come to enjoy some of it on its own terms. Like yeah, I, yeah. I really like Spartan. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, it's not American Buffalo, where it actually is, like, two people just, like, rambling and talking like, yeah. in a somewhat naturalistic way. It's very David Mamet, very enclosed. Yeah. But I like it on its own terms. Yeah. And there's a guy who likes, you know, there's a guy who likes a good twist. He <laughs> so likes a good where, twist. This is and where you and I can, can come together. No, no, Provided no, no. you like him. I, 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 I have nothing but respect for, for okay. David Mamet. I have, like, kind of a weird David Mamet story. Which I'm going to now say publicly. Awesome. But when I was <laughs> over, I don't know if it was Amblin or DreamWorks yet, but he did that movie about the two guys. Anthony Hopkins was in it, and eventually they killed a bear. Oh, The Edge. Oh, yeah. yeah. The edge. Well, the original script okay. was really long. Okay. And really, like, pages and pages about not much, right? Okay. So in my, in my uh, coverage... Um, you know, I was, I mean, I, like I said, I respect David Mamet. He's, you know, he's great, but my job is to analyze the script. And so I analyzed it saying, this is, there's a lot of, oof, wow. (laughs) 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 What is this script about? I mean, it had that feel. It was that long and sort of, it was labored, you know? So, um, an article came out like the next week of David Mamet trashing readers, trashing studio oh, readers. Wow. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I, I just thought somebody's lifted the coverage when David Mamet personally hates me. You know, I was wow. reading, somebody sent me this article. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, it was scathing. It was like, this guy just hates studio readers. And he hates, he doesn't like the studio system. Right, right. right. You know, he's been pretty, pretty public about that. But I was just like, oh my God. Like what specifically did he say to like about oh, it. these these uh, readers at the gates who you know uh, they don't know anything and they're you know punks out of college and they you know you know that kind yeah, of yeah. thing sort of the the usual myths about about readers which right. is that you know they're all bitter writers who you know don't they don't know anything and and their job is to pass which isn't really the truth because no. what I've seen when I when I've seen readers get fired. It's because they were too snide. It's because they weren't open to the possibilities of a script. Yeah. And I know that when I kept my job um, for as long as I did or executives sort of championed me at certain points, it was 
they all said, it, you seem so hopeful <laughs> for the script. You want to like it. And yeah. that's the better place to come from if you're a reader because that makes you a movie fan. You yeah, go into yeah. a movie wanting to like it. You don't go That's in going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because movie. there are pretentious, uh, yeah. you know, we. We pretend to call ourselves pretentious, but that's just a tongue-in-cheek thing. They're pretentious yeah. film geeks who think that the way to watch movies is through a skeptical eye, and that that is yeah. it's been a lifelong crusade of me, of mine, to say you need to go into any movie expecting that it could be the best movie you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we bring up Roger Ebert a lot, or at least I do, um, and it's because he has that attitude. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, he likes everything. It's like yeah, I'd rather have somebody who likes everything and then can explain why he likes it than somebody who just hates everything and dismisses everything quite possibly before they even go and see it. You know, what, especially like a the second Garfield movie, which I believe Ebert gave three stars. <laughs> oh, but, well, uh, yeah, he might be getting a little... Exa- yeah, yeah, Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know... I he, imagine he's more fun to talk to, though. I think, I think, you know, when movies are at its best and when the... I don't know, when the industry is at its best, it's when everybody does realize that there are a bunch of movie fans right. that get to read scripts and maybe get to make movies. Yeah. That kind of an attitude is what turns out the best movies. And it's when everybody gets sort of cynical and, oh, we've been there and we're trying to make money and blah, blah, blah. That's when, it, that's when you get sucky product, you know? Well, I think that's a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know product? what's a better note to end on? What? Big Green Boner. <laughs> Big green. <laughs> well done, David. Uh, so, listeners, you can go to... Uh, on the what, page. Do you have a website? Um, yeah, my my website is onthepage.tv, okay. not .com. All right. And uh, I've actually got a DVD that's going to be coming out of my classes in mid-April. Okay, and cool. it takes you through uh, the writing process with little 10-minute uh, exercises that'll take you from brainstorming all the way into rewrite okay and so uh to get that dvd they can just go to the website and find it there go to the website and it will be out mid-april and and also the writer's store will be carrying it and biz books in canada okay and anybody else that i get my little hands on <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. awesome. okay well uh listeners that's all we got so thanks for uh, thanks for listening and thanks, for, thanks, being yeah, thanks for being on the show thank you for having me i had fun right, bye, bye. bye.